Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, we figure out M. Night Shyamalan's best movie, Josie tries to lose his microphone, and together we seek to be people of shalom as we continue experiencing Advent. Everybody. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast, episode 16. That's How's everybody doing? Sweet 16. Ah, oh, that's nice. I'm doing good. Excellent. How are you doing? Oh, thank you for asking. You know what? I'm doing a lot better than I was last week when we recorded. What was you doing last week? When well, we remember recorded? last week I was I was not a great dad. Oh, yeah. yeah and I, I was frustrated that. at mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. for the way that I behaved. Your daughter likes you again. Yeah, no, she liked me, oh. and we're gonna we'll talk about that in a minute. But hey, so I'm Jeff. That's Tim. That's me. And over to the other side, it's Josie Sedici. I love it. You know, I appreciate you using that Latin, but uh, you can always interject that earlier when I say sixteen, if you want, or fifteen, or any of those. Should we say that his real name is Josiah and not Josie? Like, isn't Josie what, what is Josie like? Josie and the Pussycats Coach or something. Cats, yeah. What is that? It's a it's a, is it a movie cartoon. Or a band? It was a movie. It was a movie cartoon about. A, well, it was a cartoon and a movie about right. a band. No, that's good. So I, what yeah. I'm saying is, I just want everybody to know his name is Josiah, and this yeah. podcast is certainly not Josie and the Pussycats. No, it's okay. not. Fun, no. fun fact: my uh, my grandmother actually didn't want me to be named Josiah because she was scared of the nickname Josie. Really? And you know what? Uh, <laughs> is it your grandmother who listens to us? No. Oh, okay. Because you could call me Josie. <laughs> Get out of town. That's not true. Is that why she doesn't listen? No, I just... Oh, because she doesn't like us. It's just my dad's side of the family. We haven't like told them to listen to it or anything. Okay. They absolutely would if we did. Really? They're like super Christians. Would they... And, and this is... So you think this is a podcast for super Christians? It's a podcast for Christians. Okay. No, I, you're not wrong, I guess. I guess it's not. You long. decided to name it "Good Christian People." Well, <laughs> from that name, you were not going to get a ton of nuns. Yeah, but it's it's tongue of cheek. It's it, it tongue of cheek, tongue in cheek. It, it's basically saying well, well, add we're a, not great. add an asterisk to it then. Good Christian people. Oh, asterisk. that's going to cost us more money to like go back and amend it on there. That would be kind of funny to go back and do. So anyway, so this has been an interesting week. We have now made it through Thanksgiving. Thanks. We uh, that was fun. Everybody met with 10 people or fewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we'll just keep moving on. Nobody got arrested. I heard that in our county uh, or maybe in our state, there were no arrests. I don't think anybody narked on anyone. So, well, I, you know, I don't think they were. They were they were never going to arrest anybody. They were just going to knock That's on doors. That's what Big Daddy Hogan said. You. Knock on doors. Show us your tactics. It was fear mongering. Mm. That's what we need during Thanksgiving. I hear it's coming for Christmas, too. Like, they've already sure. started talking about that. Anyway, so we've made it through Thanksgiving. I noticed we have now we have fully moved into the Advent Christmas season, mm-hmm. and I saw you doing something with your daughter that you posted on Facebook. You introduced her to some Christmas tradition, and what was that? We watched a Christmas story together. You did not. Yeah, we did. You did not. Last night we finished it up. No. Uh-huh. I don't believe you. Yeah. 
Really? Christmas story. See, I was going to say the Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh, the Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read out of the book. Right. Sure. Yeah. What was yeah. her favorite part? The colors. Yeah. <laughs> the colors. Does the colors a... in the book. See, that what people a... don't know about us is that we both have a long history with Charlie Brown. Yeah. Because. I played Chuck. I played Snoopy. Twice. Yeah. You played Snoopy once. No, I played Snoopy twice. Not for not for Christmas. I did. Christmas. When we no, so when uh, yeah 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 no, we did we, when we were in college. We yeah. did too. We did Christmas. Sure. We did both of them. Then and I, I played was, Charlie three times. You've tr- thrice, but thrice. really, yeah, that's fine. Oh, that was fun. You chickened out. On the no, last what one. did I do? No, I don't. Remember. Who was Snoopy? I don't remember. Anyway, oh, I do remember. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good Christian person. Mm-hmm. And Asterix. so you have. In, so now here's the thing: is that can I say your daughter's name? Sure. Okay. So you named her Charlotte. Yeah. You call her Lottie. Yeah. But I refuse to do that. Sure. I have always believed that her nickname should be Charlie. Okay. Because of you, because of your role as Charlie Brown. So in, anyway, it's just interesting that you I'm introduced her to that. it. All right, good. I'm glad. She was named after her grand her her great grandmother, whose name was Charlotte. And she was called in the family Chuck. Let's see. Yeah. So Charlie, I think. Yeah. I, I think we go that way. We'll get there. If she's a teenager, we'll call her Chuck. Yeah. Sounds good. And um, very good. And so you were also telling us right before we started that you were doing, you were introducing her to other forms of animated art as well. Uh-huh. You're watching a lot of Disney movies? Disney Plus is my friend. Yeah. Really? She loves the colors. Has she seen Hamilton? She's not seen Hamilton. She gets in that little jumper and just jumps for hours watching the TV. Yeah. Actually, her absolute favorite is Peppa Pig. Uh, a lot of people like Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig. Yeah. Uh, Peppa Pig, you know what? When I actually pay attention to it, I'm like, yeah, it's not, you know, it's actually, they've got some jokes in there. That's actually yeah, decently it's funny. Okay. They've got this re- reoccurring joke about glitter. Whenever the kids ask about glitter, they go into this vault that is like 17 doors of combinations to get a little vial of glitter. I thought that was funny. Sounds hilarious, yeah, no, not really. I mean, it might be one of those you need to be there, or you mean need to have watched it a number of times. Peppa Pig. Yeah, it's kind of Stockholm Syndrome that mm-hmm. becomes funny. So what is your favorite Disney? Because you were saying when we did the Fun Fridays and we did uh, the Disney stuff, yeah, you were not familiar with much of the... Correct. And now you are. Yeah. What's your favorite? My favorite? I, don't, I mean, I'm, it's not like I'm watching a lot of them. I mean, we've watched Toy Story many a times now, all four of them. Um, but the new one that I hadn't seen before was Moana. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, all right. I think The Rock did a good job. Yeah, he did fine. Um, but I, you know, I'm as a geek who has done like computer animation stuff when I was in college, like on the front end of it, like back in 2000, um, to watch the water, the ocean. Oh yeah, in the movie Moana, just fascinates me how they do all of that. It's it's it's, it's remarkable. It's incredible. It is, and her hair. Like when it gets wet and then like the, just the whole physics of her hair and the wind and the water. It's cool. So it's anyway. pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Very nice. I'm glad you're getting to experience a lot of that. Speaking of fun Fridays. This is riveting. Yeah. And we're, we're only like four minutes in. So yeah. it's good. Speaking of fun Fridays during the Christmas season uh, with our church. Can we promote this? Yeah. But nobody's going to know the first one. We should have promoted it last week. Yeah. We should have. Anyway, we have a fun Join Friday us on the coming 18th. up. Yeah. The 18th. We have a little fun on YouTube, Facebook channel. You can hop on, and we're going to have some trivia, some games, visit from... Sing-alongs. Yeah, sing-along. We're going to do a lot of sing-alongs. Visit we really from enjoy that. Santa and his... Uh, Santa, Miss Santa. Mrs. Miss, Santa. Mrs. Santa. Yeah, yeah very good. Yeah. yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Claus's Mrs. first name. Has that ever been... Is, you got Santa Claus and mm-hmm. Mrs. Claus. 
Is she just like the woman who's supposed to say stay silent behind her man Probably. and not have a name? Now, is Santa his real like first name, or is that like an office, or is that a title like president? Like, it's an abbreviation. Papa, she's all Saint Nick. Saint Nick. Nicholas. Nicholas. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought it was they so just th- they just took Satan and reversed the A and the N. That's, that's what, what I they did. It's yeah. a dyslexic child accidentally wrote the Satan and yeah. the holiday was started. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, they Back just jumbled up. Jumbled up Satan. So then, what is Santa? I don't know. I it's think Satan. I think it's Jumbled literally up, just like well, I know, as but time I mean, went on, they abbreviated Saint Nick. I literally just answered. It for no, you. I understand, but I'm saying so. Then that would make Santa more of an office and a title versus an actual name. Well, I mean, have you ever watched the Santa Claus? Yeah, yeah it's Tim obviously Allen. an office, of course. Yeah, yeah. Tim Allen became the Santa Claus. Yeah, the no, but the it was Santa based on Claus. A true story. It was not because of the was Santa it really? Claus. Yes, absolutely. It's uh-huh. inspired by true events. Yeah. No. Tim Allen's actually Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. No. Have you guys seen the commercial with Steve Carell as Santa Claus? No. I want to see a movie with Steve Carell as Santa Claus. I, let me rephrase that. I want to see a movie with Steve Carell as everything. Okay. I just want to see a movie in which Steve Carell plays multiple versions of himself. Okay. And like Michael Scott comes in and as prison Mike and does all that stuff. Have you ever seen Evan Almighty? Yeah. It'll probably end up being as bad as that. That wasn't terrible. It was bad. It wasn't terrible. Okay. It had a really good moment at the end that I thought we'll preach. Okay. Yeah. When so he, we should just, I, I'll preach from heaven almighty sometime in 2020. Well, you got to get so like the you? last couple minutes, but basically yeah. he said, you know, it was, oh, I forget exactly how it went, but he was talking to God on the mountain at one point and he says, you know, I, you know, I didn't, you know, whatever. And God says, you did what I was, you did what I asked you to do. And he says, yeah, but I fought you the whole way. And he goes, yeah, but you did it. And I'm going, that's a good. That'll preach. That'll preach. That'll preach. Speaking of which, speaking of God, played by black guys, have you heard who is playing God in the show Lucifer? I've never watched a minute of the show. I have no idea what this show is. I'm guessing it's going to be an African-American friend. It is. In the show Lucifer. Mm-hmm. God in Lucifer. I don't know. Dennis Haysbert. I have no idea who that is. You watched 24? Yes. He was, uh, oh, he was President, President Palmer. Yeah, okay. That is like. He's, I think he's more known for you're in good hands. Yeah, with Allstate yeah, or whatever. Do it. I can't even get that mildly that low. But <laughs> that's I, I. As soon as I saw that, I saw that today, and it's a Dennis Haysbert as God. I was like, that makes complete sense. Like we just need African American guys. To play. I think Morgan Freeman should voices. just that should be his just new role. And every time there is a God in a show or a movie, he just shows. I up. would be fine with him doing yeah, that. Sure. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. So. Anyway, let's move on. Two defining roles, God yeah. and Red. Oh, he was also... No, I know he's played a lot of stuff, yeah, but... Those stuff, so. He was good. I like that. I like those guys a lot. So have you seen the news about the monolith the that monolith. is showing up? And it showed, yeah. showed up in the, the big stainless steel, apparently 11 foot tall yeah. monolith that just shows up in the desert of Utah and some people have stumbled across it. And yep. then some Reddit user found out with through Google Earth that it's been there for five years. Of course, now it's gone. Like it's somebody gone. Just, it's gone. Yeah. Like as soon as they found it, it's gone. But now, apparently, I just saw in the news today, one showed up in Romania. Really? Like, now there's another monolith, like, just stainless steel rectangle in Romania. But you know what? So, I also saw mm. that there was a guy who, who made his way out there. Because they didn't reveal where the coordinates were. Like, you had to figure it out. Right. And this guy went there and did a video in which he, like, took magnets. It was not magnetized. He hmm. said it was more like cardboard. It was like aluminum. Right. It was aluminum. It Aluminium. was Aluminum. Like, Aluminium and it was riveted together, but like there were some missing rivets. It was it was not, it was just like weird. Where did this thing come from? And then it disappeared. And now it's in Roman. Now another one's in Romania. 
or the same one is it, it is are are there a stainless steel monolith is that in the book of revelation anywhere or uh, should we use this as a sign for the we millennium we probably should yeah the, mono, I don't know. the it, monolithic it, millennium i feel like some 90s action movies sure. with aliens began this way strange encounters yeah with the mashed potato mound yeah or maybe it's an M Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> that's that's what it is. He's like, yeah, it, he's it's <laughs> like a documentary he's setting up. It's called The Monolith. You know, it's funny. So he had that uh, Sixth Sense. No, the movie about the happening, the right? Happening. And right, and so you got to the, all the way to the end, and it was all about the bees were disappearing. Right. Like it was this whole thing, and then the bees were disappearing, and everybody's like, oh, "This is stupid." And now, ten years later, what's in the news? Everyone is going, "Oh no, the, the bees, bees are disappearing." And so I'm just going to go ahead and say that he was a little prophetic with that one. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that movie was pathetic too. It's just the story. The storyline was not. Oh no, it was terrible. What's your favorite M Night Shyamalan movie? Oh man, it's so few to choose from. Yeah, I don't know. Definitely not Lady in the Water. No, uh, I don't. There's a whole lot of not this one, not this one, not this one, yeah. not this one, and yeah, it leaves one that. left. And to me, that's Signs. Signs was bad too. Ah, uh, get out of here. Anyway. I have a whole story with Six Sense. We'll tell it another time. We talked about that. Please, we, another time. Yeah, another time. Another I don't know if you've seen, but um, President Trump, it, things are not looking good for him in terms of winning the presidency. Oh, I think he's, I mean, well, I mean, he hasn't technically conceded, but he's already like started the transition, right? He has, he has allowed it under the understanding of just, just so we're clear, all of this is fraud, and I, I really won by a landslide. But it that's not really looking like that really happened. He's getting into a lot of fights with Republicans now who are coming out and saying, um, my man, you, you gave it the, your best shot and uh, this isn't happening. And it's, so I mean, it's just going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. It is. It is. But now, you know, they're doing the recounts, not the, re, the, um, the runoffs in Georgia. And I saw oh, yeah, the, for the Senate seats right? for the Senate seats yeah. in January. Uh-huh. And I saw it was a Republican national chairwoman, was there like doing a rally trying to get people fired up and a bunch of Trump supporters showed up and basically said, why should we even show up to vote since it's clearly fraudulent and all of this is rigged? And she was like, no, 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 that's not true. Please come vote. We'll figure it all out later. But basically now all of these these claims of fraud and it being rigged uh, is potentially going to backfire on the Republicans now. And uh, and so that split. Yes. <laughs> Man, split. I, I tell you what. I mean, the the Republicans were winning. No, I'm, I'm they, saying, what I'm saying is split. That was M Night Shyamalan's best flick. Split. Oh no, get out. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. you smoke crack. Split. No, I can say the 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 village. The village. The village is not gonna be. No. Village was a good. Tw- it was a good turn at the end. Yeah, it was fine. It was a good turn. Yeah. Anyway, so if the Republicans lose this, the Senate because of all this. Um, man, that's gonna that's not gonna be great for them. It's gonna be ugly. It's not gonna be great. All right. So anyway, let's jump into uh, listener feedback. Uh, we've had almost none, except I don't, is anybody listening anymore? I don't think so. Okay. Yes, there are. So analytics wise, who was it? Um, Council Bluffs, Iowa. What's up, Iowa? We haven't heard anything from them yet. Of course, no. I guess the the episode where we've asked them to reach out uh, has not aired. It'll air tomorrow. But Council Bluffs, we would really like to hear from you. Like just one person, just write us and say I'm from Council Bluffs. I'm listening. This is who we are. And who are the other 116 of you? That's really important enough for us to know. Like we really want to know that. But the one thing that has gone. So right now, Virginia and Iowa are still neck and neck. Virginia has a six 
listener lead to Iowa, but where we have completely dropped the ball and paying attention is when we can go by the, uh, the cities and towns right now, Glen Burnie, Maryland leads Pasadena, Maryland by two listeners. Yeah. By two. Well, we're literally sitting in Glen Burnie now. So what's the, I know, what are you, but we're from Pasadena. So yeah, sure. this is, and I know I listen 30 times and I know you <laughs> listen zero times. <laughs> you make up for me. Uh, yeah, I do. So it'll be interesting to, um, It'll be interesting to, to see where this goes. But we do we did have one feedback from our Thanksgiving episode. Uh, well, we've had a couple of people saying, you know, but it's basically at this point, I feel like our only two listeners are the guys we've called out pretty much every episode, which is Shane and Brandon. And Shane wrote us a, an extremely nice email. Um, and basically, he enjoyed the the music that we did. We sang and um, and he basically said, we have a nice little variety show. And I thought, that's what we, that's what this needs to become. Like this is not just this podcast, but like our careers, we just need to go into a variety show. Yeah, sure. Stuart Little is M Night Shyamalan's best movie. Mm-hmm. He wrote the screenplay for that. Stuart Little. You know what? I'd actually, I mean, like that. His 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 movies are so bad. I would put that towards the top, and I haven't seen it. So like, as I can, I can Michael say, J. Fox, Gina Davis, Hugh yeah. Laurie, yeah, Nathan Lane, all kinds of people. That Steve Zahn. You know what? I'm gonna go right now. Having not seen it, I will say that is M Night Shyamalan's best movie. Stuart Little. Stuart Little. Haven't even seen it. It's a pretty good movie, but that cast is something else. From the Peanut Gallery. Yeah, um, I will say uh, we. We didn't get to the uh, the email address, but I did get feedback at Thanksgiving dinner about a Thanksgiving episode. Luckily, we recorded before Thanksgiving. Um, but Dad says he actually listens to the podcast. Does What's he up? really? What yeah. up, Dad? Daddy-o? He was like, What's, What's, he's just the- so you know, those shows we were telling you about, we thought you would like them, not that we <laughs> like them. <laughs> So all of those Korean recommendations from like last week or two weeks ago. Yeah. Sorry. And to repeat after me, come, come, sa, sa, mi da, mi da, come, sa, mi da. And just say thank you to your father. That's all you have to do. Come, sa, mi da. Thanks, dad. Yeah. <laughs> that works too. We were in a, uh, we were in a small group with him, a uh, men's group one time and um, a couple of years back and he asked the room full of men what's of, what's said in the, in the small group stays in the small group are yeah, you no, about no, well, to there, there's a statute of limitations uh, we haven't met for a few years okay he, he did ask us all the question do you all know who joe montana is and there was like silence like huh? is there another one like and we all went yeah we, we know, know joe we know joe who joe montana is <laughs> like well you guys are younger than me i'm like <laughs> And so we Joe just affectionately Montana. referred to him as Joe Montana for like no, the rest of the group. No, that's when you should have said, you mean Tony Montana. Tony Montana. I was like, that was, that cracked me up. I didn't. So anyway, so uh, thanks for listening guys. And, uh, and we would love Shane. We appreciate your email so much. Thank you for um, writing us and encouraging us. Uh, we're glad that you're listening. Um, if anyone else, Brandon, I forgot to tell you, Brandon dug the song. He was basically uh, dying when when he heard it, um, and we brought him back to life. Like, mm. so that was that was amazing. So thank you guys. If you do want to reach back out to us, if you want to talk to us and let us know what you're thinking or how we can improve, uh, goodchristianpod at gmail dot com is a really good way to reach us, as well as Facebook and Twitter, which we never check. Uh, sorry, Steve. And so we need to work on that. We're still, we still haven't had anybody who has reached out and said, Hey, I want to come on and do your marketing potentially as a soulmate for Josie. So still mm-hmm. praying about that, sure. but uh, hopefully we'll come in. But speaking of Josie, 
before we move into what we need to talk about, there is uh so in the first episode and the first few episodes, he would, you know, we weren't great. We didn't have a solid rhythm and we cared about what we were saying. So there were times where we would mess up. We would have to edit some things out. Now we're just rolling and riffing and we're like, we're 15, 16 episodes in. If you don't like us now, you're probably not listening to us and you're just going to give us some grace. So anyway, so he used to take some of the funny things that we did or some mistakes that we made and he would throw them at the end of the episode. And, and then we, I, I don't know if we just probably weren't giving him very good material to work with after that. He has now moved into doing like little sketches and little funny recordings. And the one that he did on the previous episode, I, I had the honor of hearing it yesterday. It is a three minute, basically it's a skit with our buddy Josh. Uh, if you don't listen to our, to the end of the uh, episode, you need to go back because he just does a three minute sketch on Ouroboros stakes and I was I mean like it was like they put a lot of effort into it and yeah. I was like this is this is profound that's like, the cannibal stakes you're yeah okay gotcha you have anything you want to say do you want to apologize for anything you said last week on the on the blooper no fantastic but he, Joe is what puts the asterisks at the end of our title that's true yeah <laughs> we're for the Christians he's for the he's for the non-Christians casting that net out there uh, but yeah, so I don't want to apologize for anything I said last episode, but I do want to clarify because at the end of the episode, uh, Tim, you walked out because um, you didn't care. And uh, mm-hmm. Josie was like, you know, does your daughter listen to this podcast? She probably didn't, probably wouldn't like that whole conversation. And I was like, oh, maybe and I didn't, you know. We love you, Joy. We love you, Joy. Love you so much. And uh, And I let my wife, Jen, listen to it. And she was like, no, it's okay. She's like, it's okay. You didn't reveal anything personal. And the whole point was for me to say it wasn't that my daughter had done something wrong. It's that I had been a bad dad, bad dad, bad dad, bad dad. Hashtag hashtag bad dad. And instead of dad bod, it'd be dad bad. That's my dad bad. Hashtag dad bad. So just pictures of you and your dad bod doing bad dad things. For the rest of the, uh, the podcast, let's just let you try to say bad dad, bad dad, dad, bad dad bod. Right. Yeah, exactly. Dad bod with the bad dad. Right. No, dad bad with the, bad dad with the bad. <laughs> this part of the broadcast is brought to you by Bob Blah Blah and Bob Blah Blah's Blah Blah Blah. We're not here to speak nonsense to Bob Blah Blah. It's one of my favorite lines in the show. I, I did just look up, um, referencing the the sketch from last week. Uh, I, I do have some unused slogans if you want to hear them. I would love to hear them. So he came up with some slogans that a marketing department would use for Ouroboros steaks. Yeah. I mean, for Tim's Tim's edification, the whole sketch was basically a marketing I don't think any department. of this is going to edify me, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the, whole, the whole sketch was like these marketing guys going back and forth being like, why did you take this contract? This company is impossible to sell. Like, well, show me your slogans. And then we read off a list of slogans like um, put the me back in meat. Um, you are what you eat. Um, technically, oh. it's not cannibalism. Oh. Um, and then these were the ones that didn't make it. Um, Ouroboros Steaks, nice to meet you. Um, <laughs> our product is quality, no mistake about it. Um, the meats from your mouth in your mouth fill up on you. Um, the wow. most excellent of steaks. A veal good meal. <laughs> Put yourself back in takeout. Uh. Um Try our new marijuana-infused variety, pot roast. That one's maybe a little risque. That, yeah, yeah. No, um, that's that, yeah. That's the asterisk. Uh, get your get your baby back ribs. Uh, oh. We cater to the. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> I just realized that. Oh. Uh, how much of this are we gonna have to edit out? All of it. <laughs> Hashtag blessed is hey, coming up next. Do you right? want to? Do you want <laughs> Josie? Do you want to go ahead and record your? I'm sorry for what I said last week. This week, <laughs> no. Uh, we cater to the elderly. Just looked under our website under aged beef, um, and then finally, just try it. Stop being a jerky. Is there any reason that these did not make? The cut? Uh, we were going too long. It was already three minutes. No, so what I'm saying is the ones that weren't as good, you didn't put in the stinger at the end of the episode. You put right into the middle of this one. <laughs> so let's take, let's put our good stuff at the end where nobody's going to hear it. Let's take our bad stuff and let's just put it right there in the middle. Well, you don't listen to the, the end. I don't so listen to any That's of why it. I reserve the good stuff. Yeah. All right. So our next segment is hashtag blessed. This is my favorite conversation. Mm, false. Uh, uh, I mean, not, I mean, on the podcast, not ever. All right, so hashtag blessed <sighs> today. This week, we are going to talk about some of our favorite Christmas music. Is that correct? Correct. All right. So, do you want me to talk about some of my favorite Christmas? What is it? Like songs, albums, anything you want, anything. So, so much of Christmas we is talked about around music. Yeah, we talked about movies last mm-hmm. week. Yep. So, my favorite Christmas album. Let me go in in reverse order here. Okay. Uh, I, I number. I just, I really just have two. So honestly, I love what Michael W. Smith does in his Christmas time album. All like, right, we're gonna edit this out. We just lost almost all of our listeners. Michael okay. W. Smith has quality Christmas music. All and, right, Grandma. And he writes his own orchestration. Sure. And a lot of the orchestration is terrific. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. But my favorite Christmas album of all time has got to be by a local band, actually, named the Eight Thirty Band, and it is uh, it is it is entitled. uh, excruciating excruciatingly good joy or something like that to that effect but uh, I actually paid into that album I think I think I actually am one of the donors of that look over your right shoulder Timothy oh yeah hold on here's an entire box of (laughs) non-sold unsold DVD or or, or CDs here (laughs) oh it's exceeding great joy exceeding great joy by the 830 band yeah I got you it's available on iTunes and CD baby or you can just email Shane I'm going to send you I have your address. I'm going to send you a Yeah, you'll get to you'll get to hear. And it. the first person from Council Bluffs to reach out gets a free CD. 100 bucks. Send. I mean 100%, 100%. 100%. I didn't 100 know 100 bucks. bucks. Edit that out. Edit that out so bad. Yeah, we put a Christmas album together in 2013. Is that how long it's been? Yeah, yeah 7 yeah. years. And, how, and to be clear, we're not selling this to you. No. Those have just no, we'll been sitting them. here for the past 7 years. <laughs> we'll send them. We we will dust them off before we put them in the envelope. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it was a good album. We, so what's your favorite Christmas music? Uh, so if we're looking at just, so the easy answer, the best Christmas song of all time to me Wham. is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Mm. Okay, because that one pretty much, I don't recall having heard a bad version of that song. Well, who's like the that best song? version? Perry, <sighs> Dean, Buble? No, no there's a, uh, no, um, there is a there, North Point. They actually threw one on at the end. I mean, I, you know, that's a good question. I don't really have it. Like, I no. just whenever that song comes on, I like James Taylor's. Uh, okay. I just every like there are people who do it in six eight. People who do it in four. When we've done it, we've done it in six eight. I just really it it can be done a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And and I've heard upbeat. I've heard slow. Three seven's my favorite. Mm, yeah, that's that would be a tough. Yeah, your parents just winced. Um, so that, I don't that was, what I'm talking about. No, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I would say have, your, have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is the greatest Christmas song because it can be done in so many different ways by so many different people. My face hurts from laughing at you guys. Um, 
Sorry for being so funny. I would say the Christmas tune that I really like to me, it is not Christmas until I hear this on the radio. We're like, talking about and, albums. You're talking about well, favorite can. songs. Okay, well, yeah, we, I, I put sure. on here albums, songs, sure. arrangements. I'm going to talk about all of it. Uh, it is not Christmas until I'm in the car and I like, I can't, I can't turn it on. Like it, it can't be me saying it's, it's when the radio just surprises me today, junior with Mariah Carey's, all, All I, I want, want for, for Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. I mean, that is such a good song. Don't give me that face. That's an amazing song. You can shut your face. I get little. I get weirdly <laughs> excited when Josh Groban "Oh Holy Night" comes on. Oh, okay. Because it's on all the time. I'm like, oh, here it is again. Here it is. So I want to. I want to give two shout outs. If you're looking for a really, really good Christmas album, almost as good as "Exceeding Great Joy" by the 8:30 Band, <laughs> Josh Wilson, which most people have never heard of. Uh, I mean, he, he's got a couple of songs on the radio, but most people wouldn't be able to recognize him. He's not, you know, he's got probably one of the greatest Christmas albums of all time. It's called Noel, and it's just really, really good. What what makes those kind of songs an album stand apart are it's so easy to do Christmas music. Like people can just get up there and go, I, I'm going I'm to sing this tune. And everybody's like, oh, it's so great. But to have someone like Josh Wilson the 830 band who like take songs and go, we're going to reinvent them. We're going to put a different spin on them and make them interesting to listen to um, like that. He really did it. And that's a great one, but I want to go Josh. You want to talk about a really, really good arrangement and how it can change. There is a song that I consider to be one of the worst Christmas songs out there. Like I really dislike this song until I heard this guy do it. Michael Bublé's, just forgot the title. Um, Good job. Blue Christmas. I'll have a blue Christmas. Yes. Yeah. It's you starts, didn't like the Elvis version. Nah. It's it's. A, I mean, who wants to be reminded at Christmas? I'm alone. You know, like you're alone. I've I've. You know, that's always great. Um, but he. It starts out with like a Dixieland band, and then all of a sudden there's a big band, and then by the time they hit the instrumental bridge. It is the full orchestra mm-hmm. playing blues behind it, and I've never heard anybody do anything like that. And so I can listen to that song pretty much nonstop. Like that is challenging. Mariah Carey is all I want for. It's like he took a bad song and made it like my favorite song to listen to during the Christmas season. And I am like lyrically, it's it's still the, stupid. Yeah, the one thing we do when we tell we we always tell Google to play the Home Alone soundtrack a lot during okay. Christmas time. Just yeah. just play the soundtrack. We enjoy it. Yeah. John Williams, I think, probably. Sure. Yeah. No. Was it John Williams? I don't know. I don't think it was. But anyway, so that's that's all good stuff. But we are going to talk about music today. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where this conversation goes because leading uh, in, in, our, in our pre-discussion, uh, both of you kind of push back on something. I'm excited to see where this is going to go. So we are going to talk about some music. We are now kicking into week two of Advent. Um, that is the month leading up to Christmas. We talked about it last week, and so we're going to continue to look at Advent, the significance of it. We talked last week about hope and about how Advent really is a season of repentance and yeah. rest, uh, two elements that are usually missing in our Christmas celebrations. But Advent is a sense of, no, we, we have some work to do on ourselves, work to do on the world while we are sitting between the first and second Advent. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about what Advent means today. And then we're going to talk and uh, move into talking about our, our theme of the week, which is peace. But before we get into that, I found this article that I thought was, was really pretty profound. I, I connected with it a lot because it's about music. It's about worship. And then it's also kind of dipping back into where we were 
when we were talking about politics, the Christians in the age of outrage. Uh, and it's by one of my great Christian people that I've introduced on this podcast, Caitlin Scheiss. She wrote this article two years ago, back in 2018, shows up on ChristandPopCulture.com, and the title of it is Advent is Actually Quite Political. And her whole idea and, and, and premise of this article was that we don't often recognize that the songs we sing, the prayers that we pray, the rituals and all of that impact our political identity and the things that we say, the things that we do and the way that we celebrate Christmas, particularly in our beloved Christmas music, there are some deeply political ideas that are in there, uh, that are in the, in the lyrics. And I'm not talking about like the, the basic carols, but some of the ones that have deeper meaning, some of my favorite Christmas songs, um, Oh Holy Night, Oh Come, Oh Come, Emmanuel, Come Along, Expected Jesus, you know, that those kind of have some, some real heft and give us kind of a, an intro and, or look into our political identity. And do we, do we align with the, the things that we're saying? Tim, you often from the stage will say, don't sing this. If you don't mean it, you're perjuring yourself before God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I thought that was, was really neat. So I passed that article onto the two of you only to find out you didn't love the article. You didn't love where she was coming from. So who wants to throw the first dagger? Well, I'll say, uh, I mean, it's not that, Oh goodness! It's not that I didn't agree with her. I just think she was kind of narrow in scope. Um, that, as you mentioned, so many of our songs that we sing hymnal, you know, for thousands or you know hundreds of years, um, people don't know what they're singing. Sure. You know, we sing them because it's good tune. We sing them because we know the words, and it just it just comes out. You know, when we sing, I mean, when we actually sing, um, you know, I, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Really. I mean, sure. no turning back. These are these are the things. I mean, when you're mentioning, you know, Evan Almighty and, well, I, I fought you, I fought you. Yeah, but in the end of it, you did it. So, in other words, I've decided to follow Jesus, but I'm going to turn back around and around. You spin me right around, Jesus, right around <laughs> like a record player, right? I mean, that's th- that would be a more true song for us to sing. But Well, we have that line in the lineup for next week. You spin me, you spin right, me around, right around. Yeah, yeah. good, good, good. Um, but I mean, that's that's all of our songs. I think where she's getting at when Advent, Advent is these, um, uh, you know, long lay the world in sin and error pining until mm-hmm. he is, until he's revealed and the soul felt its worth. Right, mm-hmm. a thrill of hope. Um, so much of the Advent songs, the Christmas carols that we sing, are about we are in struggle right now and we are waiting for hope to come. We're waiting for something to be fixed. Sure. And I think, I mean, that's I, I don't know if that's political so much as it is it's just the human condition right okay. we are imperfect now and we need it to come to fix where it becomes political is what does the christian who are called to be the people of christ who come and bring good news to those who are oppressed bring good news to those who are in chains and you know are are you know like um you know the when jesus gets up to to read from the book of isaiah um, what are we going to do about it? Are we only going to let Jesus take care of everything? Or are we going to be people who actually engage in culture? And that's kind of the crossroads. I think where she's getting at is she calls that politics. I just call it ministry. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But sure. we call it politics because then we say, well, what is the government going to do about it? And how is the government going to fix these things instead of the church coming to do it? But uh, yeah, I, I've um, a couple years ago at my previous church, I preached a whole sermon series just on the the Christmas carols, like on the hymns, mm-hmm. like we just we just took a Christmas carol and we preached the theology that was in there because it was thick. Yeah, and Christmas is the only time where people will gladly sing a hymn. 
Sure. All of the hymns, you know, we, we talk about, we, we, you mentioned music. So a lot of the modern music does not have the thick theology that a lot of the older traditional hymns have. And these Christmas carols are hymns. They're mm-hmm. with thick in theology. And if you were to play a hymn on the radio uh, and any, you know, any secular person in the country would go, okay, I don't want to hear this anymore. But you play a hymn that's a Christmas hymn. Right. They're going to sing it loud and clear. And they have no idea. But if fall on your knees, oh, hear the angels calling. Fall. I mean, yeah. they, they don't know what they're singing. The same as the church people don't know what they're singing. I'm glad that they are singing it. I'm hoping it'll kind of click into their brains. But I, I don't know. I, I I hear what you're saying. I don't think she's wrong in the article. It didn't really speak to me all that much because I don't know that the hymns are very political so much as people don't know what they're singing all the time, much less during Advent. Well, I would say that I think her point is we don't recognize that that stuff is political, that that we she would agree with you that that kind of thing, those lyrics are things we sing without really thinking about the meaning of them. Chain shall he break for our slave, slave is, is our brother, brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. Right. You know, that that the idea is that we and that was the first one, that that we are singing songs against oppression. Yeah. A holy night. I mean the now everybody knows the the first verse. Everybody, you know, sticks with that. But to me, that chain shall he break for the slave is our brother. Sure. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Mm-hmm. You know, that to me is like, those are profound lyrics. Those yeah. are to me, those are lyrics I connect with better in that verse than I do at the beginning of the Oh Holy Night. Like, Hey, we're just retelling the story. The story is fine. And I would venture to say so much of the story that we sing in, in our, our hymns and yeah. carols probably aren't true. Like silent night. Great song. Beautiful yeah, that song. was not a silent night. It was night. not a silent night. It was a mother screaming. Right. Yeah. And and here comes a baby. And, right. you know, away in a manger, no crying he makes. Really? Have you ever met a baby? Yeah. Um, like, like those are, it's a cute picture. Sure. But it's trite. It just doesn't, it's like, okay, fine. Like many other songs. Some of the modern Absolutely. songs that you sing. Yeah. I would, no, I'm going to agree <laughs> with that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally, and so that, that to me, the songs like, that she actually references in here, Oh, Holy Night, Oh, Come, Oh, Come, yeah. Emmanuel, Come Along, Expected Jesus. Those are the ones that to me, have this weight yeah. of 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 what we're we're th- like I'll sing those mm-hmm. all season long. Yeah, I, I guess it, I think I would have responded and some of this gets back to our outrage series and how we were talking about the intersection of Christianity and politics, right? I think I would have responded better to the article if she would have said that our advent songs are missiological. Sure. It is what we are they are missiological and then secondary while we're being mission minded in our missiological self then we also need to take it and vote the same way, right? So it's not political primary, it's political tertiary, and you know it's mission primary, if that makes sense. Sure. I, I guess that's how I would have responded better to it. I think it was a good article. I, I, I enjoy reading things like that. I, I think anytime we read something that we, uh, you know, it's, if, we, if, it, if we agree with everything we're reading or hearing, something's wrong, right? Sure. So there's always good to be things to be pushed back. But I think Joe, I think he was even, he was, he, he, he didn't like it at all. No. All right. Everybody buckle up. Here we go. This would be a good time for us to go to the bathroom. I'm just kidding. You have. We're going up, 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 and we're ready to come down, down. the roller coaster. You ready? Well, I mean, Tim more or less said what I was going to say. Oh, um, great. I, I think. Uh, say it better. I, I, I can't. Oh. Because you are professionally paid to say things better than me. Um <laughs> But uh, we, we referenced a couple of times the song Oh Holy Night, um, just if, in case you don't read the article. Um, 
the the information there is that uh, the 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 line specifically, "Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother, um, and in his name all oppressions shall cease." That's a version um, that was uh, written in 1847 when the original song was changed um, to better reflect abolitionist views. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. And that capacity, I understand what she's saying, but I, I kind of align more with Tim on this the side of like abolitionism was a political issue in 1847, but it is still a very much like a moral thing. Like like sure. it came from being a, a a Christian who who knew that this was right and adjusted the song to better fit like his current environment. Um, I, I, the main takeaway I have, and the reason why Jeff says that I hate this article and wish I don't know. Uh, wish it wasn't written or whatever, uh, is because I find it's a little reductionist um, to to say that all of these influences are political in nature, um, or at least the ones that she tries to draw attention to, because there's so many influences in in how we interpret the Christian world that is uh, just nature of our environment. Like, we are not Jews living in, in, in Jerusalem in the year 30 AD. We're Americans living in America in the year 2020. Sure. Um, we speak English. We don't speak Greek we, we, or Aramaic. We we have to frame things by like the world we live in and the way we speak. And I don't know. Like, I I guess for me reading this article, I just, after spending so long in like a very heavily political season, I just needed to like push back on the idea that things will just always come back to politics. And I understand that. I hear that because we've been so wrapped up in it and we just kind of want to take a break from it. Like, so, uh, you know, I, when I engage in the political realm, I vote a certain way because I am a Christian. That's what the, why I vote. I don't vote a certain way. So other people will become a Christian. That's that. that, I mean, that's, that's not my, you know, that's not how I engage in evangelism. Uh, I do that in other ways, right? The correct ways, not through my vote. And so I, I guess, and I would also engage in the conversation of an abolitionist conversation. I, I hope I would have 150 years ago, uh, not because it needed to so much change in the laws of the land, but because I needed to actually engage with my brother across the street, you sure. know, whatever that may be. No, no. So uh, yeah, we'll put this in the show notes. I would love, I mean, I would love to hear from more of you who, who read this and think, because so I hear what you guys are saying in terms of politics. Maybe politics is a difficult word to me. It's incendiary at this point in time. I it think. is. Oh, so yeah, 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 yeah. And, but I think I, the way, the way I took it was that she was saying a lot of songs that we sing carry a message that I hate to go back to the here, but, but white evangelicals probably don't really mean that there is perjury taking place as we sing these songs because we don't adhere or we don't, we don't subscribe to the message that is contained in these songs. And so we just go, no, 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 we're not going to be political, but we're going to sing these songs. Goes, yes. But, but in singing them, you are communicating a, a truth that you aren't really living by and it impacts this realm. So her, her main, her, the three, point she talks about we talked about the first one the songs against oppression um songs against political apathy that uh, this idea of is jesus ever going to come back and she uses the uh the story uh, it was in mark 13 where um or matthew 13 where jesus is talking and telling the parable about the master that goes away yeah, mark 13 mark 13 and and tells the master goes away and you have a job to take care of 
his place, mm-hmm. but the master's coming back. Mm-hmm. And we have to wrestle with this idea of, is he really coming back? Do we believe that? And I, I pull out this quote and I'm sorry that it's long, but it's the only quote that I'm going to pull out. I think from this, uh, from this whole thing, um, she said, there might be nothing more radical and politically important than the, the notion that we are both anticipating the coming kingdom of God and offering glimpses of it today. This posture of waiting and hastening is a necessary stalwart against both political idolatry and political apathy. Instead of using the coming reign of Christ to justify political inaction, exploitation of the natural world, and indifference toward material suffering, Advent reminds us that we still have a job to do. While the master of the home is away, the expectation of his return motivates our participation in the redemption of the world. Last line. At the same time, the Advent reminder that we live between two Advents keeps us from putting our hope and salvation in earthly political systems for our true king is coming again and possesses the real power to make all things right. Sure. I mean, I think some of that is what we talked about when I, I kind of gave that story about us being ambassadors of a future kingdom, right? right? Exactly. And so our job is subversive or, or our, yeah. our role is subversive. We're, we're not coming in with a heavy hand. We're not coming in to overthrow government. We're coming in to just simply say we, we want to, from the ground level, teach people a different way and kind of come in almost on a termite level or yeah. a virus level and be contagious in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I and and she says that she says that you know we're, our salvation is not found in earthly political kingdoms, but our job is to, you know, continue the way of the kingdom and the way of the master until he returns. And, and so, yeah, and and then the last one was songs about nationalism. That how many of our songs reference things about the coming Messiah for Israel, um, and understanding that that our role in the world as an American Christian is on the you know kind of on the periphery. It's on the outside. We're not the central focus of this story. Um, we are part of a global community and that that's our identity. And that when we embrace that, then we understand. And that this whole idea, not, not saying that everything's political, but that it should change the way we look at the world should change the way we look at the relationships around us. It is missiological. It does challenge us that if we believe this way about a savior who came from here, from these people and that we're part of a global community, then that will change the way that we act over here. When we were going through our Christians in the Age of Outreach series, I had conversations with people, and I, and I, I feel like maybe we didn't clarify um, or make our position clear enough, which I know sounds ridiculous because we had like 32 episodes on it. Um, but I think the challenge for some people is when they hear kingdom versus earthly mindset, mm-hmm. then they think, okay, I'm just thinking about the kingdom, right. therefore I'm completely divorced from what's happening here on earth. Right. So that when you and I when we people who have said, Oh no, we're going to side with the kingdom, then begin to talk about earthly things. When we talk about political things that are happening here. Then all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a second. That's not kingdom minded. It's like, no, no, no. What we're saying is having a kingdom mindset means you apply that in your earthly dealings. Lens. Yeah. Colors. Yeah. It's not saying you don't ever dabble in these conversations and deal with these things. It's to say, this is how how we are going to interpret things that right. that if we're looking at through Jesus lens then if we're going to be people of compassion then that means we're com- people of compassion in all areas not just to say well these people are worthy of compassion but if these people cross the border illegally then we're not going to extend compassion to them it's like no you know politics earthly politics will come second yeah um and so that that's what i thought the article was getting at there's there's an old line in church lore you know, that someone can be so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good Correct. right um but i think the conversation that we've had over the, over the last couple of months is there uh, christians can be so lit so hmm 
so minimally kingdom minded that they're no earthly good. Yeah, sure. Right? They can just have so sure. little view of a kingdom that they're no earthly good, at least yeah. in the eyes of the Lord. That's an interesting way of putting it. I think it's kind of what we're talking about when we come back here and we talk about people don't really know what they're saying. Um, I, this article does a really good job of pointing in on this as like um, an instance of this as a problem, but this is something that goes on with, with Christianity all the time. Like um, thinking specifically just because it's uh, it's a really clear example, but like childhood Catholics that just continue to go to mass every Sunday. Sure. Like they go through the liturgy, they go through, through everything, the, 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 the sequence of it all because it's, it's nostalgic for them or because, yeah. um, because it's actions that they've always done. We sing these Christmas hymns not because we we really care about the words, but because it's something that we've always done. Yeah. And I think this article, what it does a really good job of is disrupting Pay that. attention. Yeah. Yeah, it disrupts our um our habit, the the road the autopilot. of this. Yeah. yeah. It, it takes, takes us like stop and look at it. Turns off autopilot, says grab the wheel and pay attention to what you're doing, what you're saying, where you're going, yeah. for sure. The Tesla car shakes its wheel. <laughs> yeah. And if you do that, then it will cause you to basically shape and reshape your understanding that if we're going to sing these songs and we're going to understand that this is this really is a tradition that there is um there's some deep meaning behind that is to examine examine those things and then to be challenged to to bring them in line and so our worship should reflect our hearts it should reflect our positions it should help us see things through a kingdom view and that's all good and so today we are going to look at what that means um, as we begin to talk about this idea of peace, that if we are going to allow Jesus to shape us and, and, and his image, Jesus was a bringer of peace. And we're going to talk about all the different ways Jesus brings us peace. Um, but first, we need to talk about what peace is and what peace isn't. Um, probably more along the lines of, of what peace is. Or In the Bible, there's this beautiful word that shows up so often, and that word is Shalom. Tim, I know you've talked about Shalom. Do you want to, we didn't even prep this, but do you want to explain what Shalom is in your understanding? I mean, if anybody knows YouTube, uh, it's uh, youtube.com. Um, I think it's www.youtube. Is it you as in the letter or Y-O-U.com? But anyway, look up the Bible Project and uh, they have an amazing video on what Shalom is being complete. Um, Not so much just, you know, being at peace when it comes to war and conflict and all these different things, but it's a a sense of you're, you're, there's something that is missing and now you're bringing completeness or there's a, 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 a... Something is becoming complete, I guess I would say. So yeah. anyway, uh, the Bible Project on YouTube and just type in Shalom. It's like five minutes. Watch it. It's beautiful. YouTube. YouTube, yes. Dot com. Singular. YouTube. YouTube, not your tube. Mm-mm, okay. No. Yeah, no, it was this. Uh, one of the things I really like that they said, because we watch the same thing, is um, it's t- it's not just. So, so often we think about peace in the Middle East, right? Like we've heard that phrase so many times yep. uh, growing up. And, and that image to us is basically peace would mean these two countries stop fighting and just leave each other alone. Yep. Right. But ultimately but what, they would still hate each other. Yeah. They still hate each other. Right. But the idea of Shalom is, is not just stop fighting, but working towards the other person's benefit. Yeah. That so often we think, you know, I just want to have peace between us. Well, okay. But what do you really understand that to mean? Is right. it just mean, I just don't, I just don't want to fight with you anymore. Right. Uh, or, do yep. I actually want to be active 
and trying to bring about your good. Right. Peace is when the the Jews and the Arabs are not shooting at each other, but shalom yeah. is when the Jew is working for the good of the Arab and the Arab is working for the good of the Jew. Right. That's that's peace in the Middle East. And that's what Jesus brings. Yeah. In scripture, it's very popular uh, in Isaiah where it, where it gives the names of Jesus and it, it gives the prophecy of his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mind of God, Everlasting Father, and it ends with Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. And so I want us to have just a quick, we, we got this article, we'll put it on the show notes. Uh, it's from Bible Study Tools and it just talks about the reasons Jesus is still the Prince of Peace. And it gives five different ways five different areas in which Jesus gives peace. The first one, and I think this one is often overlooked in our understanding of peace. Uh, Jesus gives us peace with God. That one's overlooked. I think it's overlooked because I think, and I can be wrong. I mean, I've been wrong once before, but this idea of peace, when we think of peace, it's just, I just want to feel better about, and this is going to be the second one. I feel better about the circumstances I'm in. Okay. And so we think if Jesus comes to give us peace, what does that look like? Well, that means the absence of conflict in my life. But the first one that I think we too easily bypass is Jesus gives us peace and restoration with God. Well, yeah. So it's not that he's removing conflict. It's not the absence of conflict with shalom with God. It's the absence of wrath. Yeah. That he took the he took on and absorbed the God's wrath for our sin and then leaves us now in this... I, you you might want to say void, but really just in now there's nothing in between us. Yeah. So he's removed that conflict and brought us peace with um, God. So I, the the story of Jesus before he marches in, not marches, rides into Jerusalem, uh, he weeps over Jerusalem. And as he weeps over Jerusalem, looking over the city, he his description of why he's weeping is he says they don't understand the path for peace, hmm. which is this that he is the path for peace to God, yeah. and they don't understand any of this. They think that he's going to take over and peace is going to come because he's going to do it with a sword, but he's coming to lay down his life to give the path for peace, and they just don't get it, and he wept yep. openly. We were enemies of God, and right. we couldn't fix that, yeah. and so he did. Sure. In Ephesians 2, in fact, I was I had it written down. I don't think we got into it last week, but Ephesians 2.12 talked about, you know, Christ being the hope of the world, and without Christ there is no hope. The next verse literally, but now in Christ, Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. hostility. Oh, it's so good. Like, that's so, so good. That just... There was a wall that we had built, and then Jesus is like the Kool-Aid man coming through and mm-hmm. is like, hey. And that too, that the dividing wall of hostility is also, in, in addition to just between God and man, it's what we're talking about between mm-hmm. peace and the Middle East. Yeah. You know, you can lay down your swords, but hostility is still there, which means you might have a ceasefire, but you don't have peace. You don't have shalom, right. Right. which is totally different. Yep. The second one, we, ref- we reference it. We understand what this means, to have peace in the midst of our circumstances, that in the middle of the storm, we can still feel a sense of calm. We can still feel like everything's going to work out. Uh, number three, Jesus provides peace in the family, really in the family of God, that for those who have uh, come together and said, I'm going to be a part of this community, God's design and his desire, his command for us is to be at peace with one another. Mm. I think that's why, to me, it, it, it's such an attractive idea when you look at the book of, of Acts and you see the first church and they all were living in unity and yeah. they had this. And it's why it's so sad when you see churches 
that don't have that sense of peace because you know where we are supposed to be, where we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. And we don't live that way. Yeah. Taking care of the needs of the saints. Um, yep. For sure. The fourth one I really enjoyed and I, I wanted to read from Philippians four. Um, the fourth one from that article says that also Jesus provides peace that rules our hearts. Um, I, so uh, being a sports guy, uh, you often see people put on their jersey or their hat or whatever on their eye black. You'll see them write down Philippians 4, 13. I'm able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? You know, he's going to yeah. let me go out and win the game. He's going to do all this kind of stuff. Um, but look, I, I just want to back up a few verses and start in verse 10 and then read through 13. Um, or actually read through 14 because this kind of speaks to the peace that Christ gives us in our heart. Paul writes to the church in Philippi and says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. Verse 11, I don't see, say this out of need for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how you make do with a little. Excuse me. I know how to make do with a little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you do well by partnering with me in my hardship. Hmm. So Paul's talking about, you know, he's like, I've, I've been in good, I've been in bad, I've been in, you know, my wallet's been fat, my wallet's been skinny. But because of the strength of God within me, I'm able to do all things through him. And he's specifically talking about contentment. Yep. Peace in your heart, being content in the Lord yep. and the strength that he gives to allow us to be content. Yep. And then he'll guide us when we when when we feel like things are not going well or we, we you know, he gives us discernment in the midst of, of those situations and, and helps us do that. I really like that a lot. And then lastly, the last one on here is that Jesus provides eternal peace. We understand this. This is our future. Um, one of the popular, again, right out of Isaiah 9, uh, just a few verses later, verse 7, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Mm. That that's what is to come, that for those of us who are in Christ, those of us who are part of this community, who believe and who uh, live in such a way or desire to live in such a way that brings God glory, ultimately Jesus is coming back, he will restore, and we will all live in Shalom. And his kingdom will never end. And his kingdom will never end. Peace. Peace. Shalom. That's amazing. And so here's the deal. We have talked the last week, last two weeks, about how Advent is not a not just a sense of a, a period of waiting, period of anticipation and expectation. It is also a reminder that in between the two Advents, we have a job to do. And that we don't just sit there and go, you know, Jesus is going to make everything right. So then we just sit here and wait. No, Jesus is saying, no, in this time, as we have been called to bring about his kingdom, Jesus is our example. He is a mediator of peace. And so he calls us to also be people of peace. We have been invited into that restoration process. And so for the the back end of this, where we're going to wrap and, and, and kind of spend a couple minutes now is to say, what does that look like for us as we strive to be good Christian people, as we strive to, to live in a way that Christ has called us to, how are we to be people of peace? Yeah. And so I think the first thing we need to do is, is, is first identify where we need shalom today. Like where are the areas in our, our society, in our culture, in our global world where we need people to step up and say, I'm going to be about restoring peace. And the easy answer is everywhere. 
Yeah. Like it seems to me, and I don't know if this is just, I feel like this was pre 2020, but it seems like everybody is mad at somebody. Yeah. So obviously everywhere needs Shalom. That's the easy answer. The heartbreaking answer is where is Shalom needed? The church. Ooh, that's the heartbreaking answer. That bites. Is the people who are supposed to be uh, of the Prince of Shalom, of the Prince of Peace, don't often <clears throat> exercise it, don't often shine it, don't often show it. And um, I would say for the for the the church leader out there who is uh, looking at his church, the one of the biggest questions you can ask yourself is, is there shalom here? And if not, how can I work towards it? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's, stop asking, is there growth? Um, yeah. Ask, is there shalom? Are, are, is, your, is your church of 20 or 200 or 2,000, is there a sense of completeness there? Yeah. Not with, we don't need any more people or we don't need more people in the nursery or what. I mean, there's, you know, that kind of stuff is, is always there. But is there a spiritually like is does it feel complete? Yeah, is there is there peace? Is there unity yeah. within the family? Um, it's going to be really hard to pass that along to other places and to other peoples and other communities if we can't get it right at home. Yeah, and so yeah, I mean I think that's that's really good. And I mean to me, I just was like you know locally, globally along racial lines, along political lines, along all of those things. But yeah, it definitely needs to start uh, with the people of God. Like we've got to be, we've got to be the ones that set the pace on that. We can't wait for others. Um, if the if the people of peace who follow the Prince of Peace don't show peace or live peace, why would we expect the world to be at peace? I mean, honestly. Oh, that's a bumper sticker. <laughs> that's too many pieces. It's a very, very big bumper sticker. Yeah, so that's, that's, a, that's a lot of pieces to that puzzle. <laughs> Lord, I apologize. I want to. Um, I found this this interesting tweet. It's a it's a neat little graphic. Uh, it comes from the Institute for Advanced Studies in Culture. Uh, it's a I guess a think tank out in Virginia, mm. and they released their 2020 survey of American political culture. I hate to keep coming back to politics, but I think this is. But you're doing it. But it's but it's it was telling, and I, and I thought this this is interesting for our discussion. So what they did is they kind of took. It, it's not so much in Venn diagram form, but it has. You know, top and bottom. So on the on the right and left, you have uh, the well, the left and the right. You've got the Republicans, you've got the Democrats, and then you have on a, a scale of threats that they consider to be extremely serious or not extremely serious at all. And you kind of see where they're, they're they're plotting, like, hey, for the the person on the left. Uh, who is kind of in the middle, like where where the right and the left sort of meet in that that middle circle. Right in the middle is like the very rich. Uh, the one thing that they all seem to agree on is, is is a sort of threat. Right in the middle of serious, right in the you know right in between serious and not serious at all is the cultural elite. Like both sides tend to feel the same way about those guys at the, at the same way. What is interesting to me though is what each side considered to be very serious threats. I'll start here with not serious threats at all. Um, The conservative side did not consider the European union a very serious threat at all. All right. This surprised me on the left. Evangelical Christians were listed as not a very serious threat. That was encouraging. But what was interesting was at the top the one thing, and so you know, each side had there was almost no, very little agreement between the two, 
But the one thing that both sides said that is a very serious, it is the top issue is polarization and divisiveness. Yeah. That in terms of like both sides said the polarization, the divisiveness of our culture is the most serious threat to what we have going on right now. To me, peace is the thing that everybody wants and nobody has. Peace can't be shouted from the other side of the room. And this is what they wrote. Peace requires you to actually walk to the middle. That's the issue. And what's funny is in the middle are all of these people who say we want peace between both sides. But they followed it up with this little point. I'll make it quick. Although political polarization and divisiveness are considered a very serious threat to America, uh, both sides frequently view the other with contempt. And they go to list all of the things that the Trump supporters say about the Biden supporters and the Biden supporters say about the Trump supporters. That basically what it comes down to is I want to be at peace but I want you to join my side in order for that to happen. Like I'm not willing to work for your benefit. I want you to stop being stupid and intolerant and arrogant and racist uh, and a religious hypocrite and misguided and misinformed. Stop doing that. And then we will be at peace. Like I can't be at peace with you until you stop living this way. Sure. But again, if we want to take the example of God and his recipe, he didn't come to mankind and say, stop sinning, and then I'll forgive you. He right. said, I forgive you. Stop sinning. Exactly. And so it is a requirement of both sides to be. It, what It's amazing to me is how if you have, you know, two parties who say, I want to get along with you. Okay, great. That's a good start. Now we need to flesh that out. And it's going to require work on both sides in order to make that happen. And so last article, we're just going to hit this and then we'll wrap out for the day. Um, there is an article from on PaulTrip.com. He wrote an article called Restoring Shalom. And it really is kind of a, a nice little little Advent devotions, very simple article, very quick article to read. And it just gives five ways that we can work to bring shalom about. Number one is to have kind of a comprehensive understanding that Christ has come to make all things new. As the church, he says we should be the most engaged community. So we should be seeking, seeking ways yeah. to provide hope and healing to every community, yeah. every person, every group, every sect, wherever that is the thing that the Christian needs to needs to be doing. I think Jesus said something similar. What was it? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then everywhere. Everywhere. The ends of the earth. The ends of the earth. Sure. And not just geographic location, but I mean the people who are different than you. Right. Uh, next presence. I thought this was really neat. I mean, we understand this, like we are Christ's representatives, but like we are to live as Jesus here so that people encounter him through us. Right. We often say we're the hands and feet of Jesus. And what we mean for that is we will supply and help meet needs and we will do the work. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that, that he pointed out here was that not only are we the hands and feet, but we are the tone of voice of Jesus. We are the look on our face of Jesus that if we're helping people, if we're seeking to serve people, but we're talking down or we're being unkind sure. or we have a sense of disgust with the way that they are living. Yeah. Tina, you know, eat your food. Eat that your kind f- of right. fat lard. Right. Right. Like, yeah, you're bringing food and then calling Tina a fat lard. Right. Um, not our, not our small friend. It's a movie reference. Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. 
That's the movie that you haven't seen that you need to see. Yeah, I was telling everyone it's a movie reference. Oh, oh okay. Jeff's okay. not actually calling Tina a fat lard. No. Tina's very skinny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tina would probably appreciate it if we stopped talking about her. Um, <laughs> and then thirdly, uh, compassion. That, again, we are to care about suffering of every kind, regardless yeah. of your political issue. And I, and ultimately, I think I think that's what Caitlin Scheiss's point was and the thing that that we need to understand that, that, that we don't need to be so focused on us. We need to be focused on the global community and how that works. Sure. We are ambassadors of a, of a kingdom, which eventually will have no tear, no crying, no pain. The former things passed away. All, he, he's referencing revelation 21. Yeah. This whole, this yeah, this whole article. And so if we are ambassadors of a kingdom that will eventually be can, worked towards no more tear, no more crying, no more pain. And the master is away and we're told to till the field while he's away. That's what we should be working towards as well. Yep. Fourth, humility, that we are to recognize that without the grace of God, we are a whole lot closer to the worst sinner than we are to Jesus. Correct. Uh, And 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 hopefully we try to accomplish that on this podcast as best we can to acknowledge that we're not great. Um, We're trying to be like Jesus, but we uh, we mess it up. He is the alpha and the omega, and we are the vapor and wind. Mm, That's another bumper sticker. Mm Mm-hmm. You're full of bumper stickers today. Full of um, we need to be a community of grace, forgiveness, and acceptance. And then lastly, I really appreciated this. We need to be people of courage. Yeah. We need to be willing to move forward even when others misunderstand us or when we face difficulty. I think as we seek to be people who bring peace, that means moving towards other people, that um, there may be some in your community who go, wait a second, we're not supposed to go over there. Or wait a second, we, if you love people in this way, uh, then therefore you are doing something wrong because it doesn't align with the way that I think. And, and don't be discouraged if, if Jesus is calling you to love and he is, uh, and have that humility, um, then, then don't be discouraged. Keep moving forward. Yeah. It requires us to walk to the middle to Mm -hmm. literally maybe not have to, we got to maybe not meet in the middle in terms of ideology, but you have to meet in the middle in terms of love and actually bridging yeah. that gap. I have a confession please, to make. Uh, I don't know if anybody else is confessing anything today, but it, it's been said on our other 15 episodes that sometimes old Timmy likes to be a pot stirrer. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what I like about sometimes just like people getting riled up or just a playful conflict, I guess I would call it. I, I mean, I, I am not the type of, I don't, I don't like people screaming at each other, but for some reason, somehow I get a little <laughs> bit of happiness out of just throwing a bomb in the middle of the room and kind of walking away and just watching everybody just kind of like get, you know, argue yeah. about it. And you like so, to shank the ant farm. Yeah. And so as I'm giving out all of these bumper sticker theologies, as you're calling them and telling us that we're. Prince of Peace followers and we got to be people of peace. I'm not very good at that uh, because sometimes I just, for my own mm, devilish amusement, I I like to get people riled up and I kind of, I create dissonance instead of chords. Hmm. Yeah. It's good. My, my, uh, I don't think this will surprise anybody. I mean, I think our confessions after 15 episodes are probably, um, this won't surprise anybody that both of us are saying these things. Um, To me, I would consider myself to have been a uh, peaceless activist at times that there have been times where I have been on, you know, whatever, whatever side I'm on, I'm basically advocating hard uh, for something that it, particularly if I believe it is unjust or whatever. Um, But in sometimes in doing that, I have not been someone who has cared about the way the other side feels. It's more about um, you're dumb 
and uh, not necessarily you're dumb, but you you disagree, but you just don't see things my way. Mm-hmm. I have be- I I am v- have been very often the kind of person that we just talked about, which says I want to be at peace, and that requires you to just come along and agree with me. Yeah, you it, come to this side of the room. You come to this side of the room, and everything will be at peace, and that's what I really want. It's just, and and I've I've realized that um, certainly we can all have different opinions on things and, and different views, and we can take those things, but. For those of us who are seeking to be like Jesus, we have to be able to not say, come to my side of the room, but I'm going to go to your side of the room. Yeah. And I, I want to bridge that gap. And that even if we walk away disagreeing, um, there's still love and there's still appreciation for who you are. And so I'm working on that. I am, I'm trying to be better about that. So you just said something profound. So I know. I've, been using, <laughs> I've been using this this thought process of saying we need to meet in the middle. You didn't say that. No. You said, I'm going to go to your side of the room, Yeah, which is what Christ did for us, right? Yeah. He didn't say, I'm going to come to the middle and then you work your way to me. He came all the way to us. Yeah. In, uh, this is going to be a deep cut movie reference, but uh, if you ever watched 2018's no. uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a, a a great scene where um, the, like the main character is kind of like, tied up in his room and he's behind a locked door and his father comes to talk to him at the door Mm. Um, and throughout the whole movie this main character Miles has been conflicting with his father and in that scene where the father kind of like reaches out um, visually he crosses the center line of the of the 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 frame so like whereas they've been shifting back and forth between Miles and his father Miles his father has been on the left side and Miles has been on the right side at the point where his father comes to reconcile, he crosses that center line onto Miles's side, and that's like a very like mm-hmm. beautiful thing. But when you say cross over the other side, that's it's kind of what sparked in my mind. No, I can see that. Yeah, that was a, that was a fantastic um, movie too. I've got two things. Yeah, go um, for it. Are first you thing, confessing? Yeah, this is great. All right, buckle up. I got my popcorn. Um, so the first thing uh, I just want to get it out of the way before next week. Um, apologize for what I said this week. Um. I made a, a flippant comment about Catholicism earlier about like, and I shouldn't have singled them out. Um, I, people tend to, I know, especially like the more Protestants, Baptists, everyone, we kind of like pick on Catholics and Those in some cases, Catholics I've been, I've been a little uncomfortable at how people have like almost treated them as if they aren't Christian. I did not mean to imply that at all. Catholics are Christians. Um, and I didn't mean to single them out and saying like Catholic kids grow up to like not be Christians or anything. Um, that's something that is indicative of everyone. Sure. Everyone has that problem where their kids grow up, get into this rote behavior that they've been taught, and then never live it out. Um, Confession-wise, I'll just, without getting too much in the detail, like November has been an incredibly rough month for me. <laughs> so uh, it has just been difficult for me like internally to be at peace in in a, a variety of capacities. In the same way that the word love is a multifaceted word, um, it means like brotherly love, you know, like all these things we've kind of preached on that a million times. I think peace also is a a multifaceted word. Um, we kind of preach shalom being this, this complete stillness. Um, but when you internalize that, you know, like, peace can be something that is uh, it's a salve for like anxiety. It's a salve for like frustration and mm-hmm. anger um, and all of these things. Uh, you kind of need peace. And that's that's kind of where I'm at right now is like over the course of this this month I've had I've just been kind of looking for peace as for a variety of things yeah I'm glad you shared that anytime somebody references a period of time in their life and they just get this big 
smile on their face because it's so bad you got to smile. Uh, that makes me not want to ask what happened in your last your last month for sure. Well, I'm glad you're here, and and, and that was that was profound. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. We we live in a culture that has so much um, conflict and tension, and somebody has to be the one to say, I'm I'm going to I'm going to make the move, and I'm going to in humility try to reach out and and do what I can to be a bridge builder. And and restore. Sure. And I think that's where we have to to be. I think in this t- in this season of Advent, uh, this is a great opportunity to find maybe somebody that you have not that there's that there's tension that there's not peace there's not shalom between you two and and maybe reach out to them and not necessarily just apologize but do something that will promote shalom something that will be for their benefit to say I don't just want to live in conflict with you I want to live. Not in a, and not even just in peace, but I want to live in shalom. Yeah. As we uh, head out of here, we've got some great Christian people we need to. I'm going to hold out. mine for next week. Okay. Great Christian person asterisk. Okay. Yep. So uh, I've got one, and what I'm going to do is instead of me really highlighting this person a whole whole lot, um, I want to do something that is uh, that we did last week. I'm going to have Tim read something mm. in his radio voice. Now, um, do you have it? I sent it. I over have to it you. up. Yeah, I okay. just didn't find it. So this is um, my great Christian person uh, is a musician. We've been talking about music a lot today, and uh, I'm sorry, Josie. Did you have one? Okay, I, I, I just I just stepped on you, so I'm making sure. Um, my is a musician. She's a, a pretty incredible singer songwriter. She's been a part of a, a number of worship tunes that we enjoy. Her name is Audrey Assad. Um, I've listened to some of her music. I'm not like a, 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 a huge fan by any stretch. I've enjoyed what I've heard of her, but a couple weeks ago, um, right around, I might've been right around like the actual election day. I, I came across a tune of hers and, um, and I really, I mean, I got pretty emotional listening to it. I would encourage everyone to go listen to uh, Your Peace Will Make Us One. And what she did was she took the uh, the hymn, the Battle Hymn of the Republic, uh, an old war song that is in our hymn books and uh, really deals with, you know, kind of a celebration of the power, the justice, the wrath of God coming down on his enemies. And she retooled the lyrics um, it, it is something that I went, I wish I had the courage to drop this, uh, drop this out there because I think there'll be a number of people who would listen to it and be like, Oh, you're really, you know, taking this great hymn and uh, about God's wrath and power. And you're, you know, you're making it soft. Uh, but I would encourage you guys to go listen to it. And to end out today, I've just asked him to read the three verses, uh, because I think this is a great reminder that the peace of God will rule our hearts and lead us into shalom sung to the tune of the battle hymn of the republic i feel like we need a little snare behind me yeah exactly now she does it much more quieter yeah. and i mean it's it's like i love tim's voice uh, he's gonna have a big head if we keep doing this but uh, oh, go listen to the tune yeah. because her she actually has a better voice than he does mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the lord you are speaking truth to power you are laying down our swords replanting every vineyard till a brand new wine is poured Your peace will make us one. I've seen you in our home fires burning with a quiet light. You are mothering and feeding in the wee hours of the night. Your gentle love is patient. You will never fade or tire. Your peace will make us one. 
glory, glory, hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah, your peace will make us one. In the beauty of the lilies, you were born across the sea with the glory of your bosom that is still transfiguring, dismantling our empires till each of each one of us is free. Your peace will make us one. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Your peace will make us one. Gets me every time. Guys, thank you so much for taking a listen to us and joining us this week. If you are not already doing so, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod. Email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. I'm sincere when I say we would love to hear from you, love to hear your thoughts on the things that we discussed today, anything these past few weeks that we have talked about. We would uh, love to get your input. Next week, we're going to continue experiencing a season of Advent as we look at the joy that Christ brings. This week, look for ways to restore and to bring shalom to the glory of God. And until then, be peace. Shalom. been listening to good christian people the podcast today's episode was recorded on november 30th 2020 by jeff higgins and tim Byer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, maryland if you'd like to hear more of our content please check us out online at goodchristianpod.com or by following us on twitter at gcppod Sounds good. Okay. Awesome.